Hey folks, welcome to the Green Root Podcast. I am your host, Josh Schlossberg. And for this episode, I want to talk about media. Well, it's happening again. I am being censored. So why does that matter? Well, let's get into some of my background and then I'll try to tie it all together. So I've written a piece about Planet of the Humans. I am in Planet of the Humans. It's a pretty newsworthy topic. Yet still, I can't get my piece out there. I have submitted it to several outlets, and for two weeks, I haven't even got an email back. Okay, so what? Somebody wrote an article, and they can't get it published. Is that some vast conspiracy? Well, this isn't really about me. This is about the role I'm playing and how pretty much all media outlets will limit the voices based on their ideology. So why should something that I've written get out there? All right, I'm in the film. Is that enough of a reason to get an article published? Not really, right? But it seems as if, okay, there would be some outlet. Oh, okay, this person has enough credibility to be in the film. This person spoke out about an issue, which was biomass energy 10 years ago when it was unpopular. And now most environmental groups claim that they no longer support it. So a pretty decent track record, right? A fair amount of street cred there. Okay, but I get it. That's not being enough. Well, I've been uh, an investigative journalist for the past many years. I have had scores of pieces published in dozens of media outlets, so I've been freelancing. And it's not an easy thing to break into a new media outlet. A lot of it is who you know. I only did that basically one time. The rest of the time was just on the merit of my pieces. So it's like, you're a nobody. You put out a query, which is just a short summary of what you'd like to write, and you send it out. And if they're interested, uh, they'll respond to you. So in these cases, I did, I was able to get into a lot more publications. I was able to get into many publications and get my stuff out there. So I have a proven track record of editors being able to look at stuff and saying, okay, this is of high enough quality and this is on a pertinent enough topic. I'm going to get it in there. So I have a pretty good background with that. I am a bit of an expert on environmental activism. That has been a lot of what I've written about is basically environmental and social controversies. So this is very much in my wheelhouse, uh, what's going on with Planet of the Humans and all that. And on top of that, I've won several awards. So for in two years in a row, I won four awards for my journalism, mostly my environmental journalism. And those were the only two years that a publication I worked for even submitted my pieces. So I'm not trying to toot my horn. I'm just trying to establish that there's a bit of credibility to my background. On top of that, I was an activist prior to that. So I have clearly a lot of understanding in that world, but no longer an activist. I put out a publication for years called the Biomass Monitor, which was a journalistic effort to get all sides of the story on biomass. It started as an advocacy publication, just opposing biomass and then just negative information. But then I tried to bring everyone in and I had timber industry and biomass folks. So again, I've got a decent track record. Yet still, none of these publications have even responded to an email of mine. So not only were they 
passing on my pieces, they weren't even saying, oh, you know, we're gonna, we're not, we're not interested. And that's basically a commentary on there's just, they don't know how to respond to it. And again, this is not just about me. This is the whole film, Planet of the Humans. It was initially covered by several media outlets. Then when a lot of the mainstream environmentalists came out against it, mostly because it critiques the mainstream environmental movement, any sort of center left or left media either ignored it or just focused on the negative. And frankly, most of the critique that's out there, I, I don't think is legitimate. You can listen to one of my other episodes on critique. But the only outlets that they'd really gotten out on, so Michael Moore, who is one of the biggest figures in the country, has not been invited to many media outlets to talk about the film, which is kind of crazy because it is one of the most important environmental films put out there based on its popularity and the amount of conversation it's generating. So it's clearly newsworthy. Jeff Gibbs, the writer and director, he's basically been snubbed by most media outlets as well. They haven't even invited him on. So it's, is it deliberate? Is it, we can't let this get out. I, I think it's, sometimes is like that, but I think it's a bit more complicated. And it's based on the ideologies of publishers and editors. And basically, you can look at a piece that comes in or a topic, oh, this film is getting all these views, should we cover it? Some of them are, well, this is actually refuting some of the Democratic Party's talking points and might harm the ability to get Democrats reelected next year, which of course is ridiculous. The idea of improving the left being negative to the left is, is just a, a way of maintaining the status quo. But I do think some folks, yes, have deliberately kept it out of the news. Other folks, I think it just bumps up against something in their brain and they don't know why they don't want to do a story on it, but they just don't do a story on it. I feel icky. <laughs> this makes me feel yucky. Uh, I'm not even going to process it anymore. So yes, they are unconsciously censoring in that way. And the fact that they're not confronting it in their brain, they are allowing it to happen. But I really think that's what's happening around Planet of the Humans. And my attempt to get a piece published, which I think is a pretty darn good piece. I'm a, I'm a pretty good writer. I'm not saying I'm the best journalist out there. But with all those pieces together, it's news, newsworthy. My background... I should have had this piece published by now. But this is not the first time I've seen this. Uh, pretty much any time in my journalist career when I decided to go out on a limb, as in really get all of the perspectives or mostly critiquing the left inside of the left as a way to improve the left, well, these leftist publications, you know, they're either left-leaning like legacy media or just flat-out advocacy journalism, they don't want anything to do with it. And, of course, I'm not going to submit my stuff to a right-leaning journal, and I, and I did once try to do that. And they specifically emailed me and told me, because I was talking about the fact that I have leftist views, this was actually more of a commentary piece than an article, uh, they wouldn't run my piece. So they were at least honest. Like, sorry, you're not in our ideology. We're not publishing your piece. That's what most of the leftist publications are doing. They're just, they haven't acknowledged that or they're just not telling me. But 
yeah, a lot of it is that the editors, they're ideological and a lot of times they are unprofessional. So the basic idea of they see a piece they don't like and they don't even respond to it. A lot of the times they'll say, we have too much to respond to, we can't do it. The truth is this, there's only so many submissions per day from folks who are actually journalists and nothing against those who aren't. Everyone has a right to write pieces and whether you're a hobbyist or you're an activist or just a writer on the side, that's great, you should get your stuff out there. But folks like me who are members of Society of Professional Journalists, Society of Environmental Journalists, and then you see a piece and then you don't even say, hey, thanks, but not interested in this. It's just a way of basically respecting the writer to say, submit somewhere else, don't count on us right now, or I like what you're writing, here's how we'd like to guide you, but they're not typically interested in that because they're not interested in running pieces that aren't part of their basic talking points. So I'm gonna go into a few experiences that I've had with publications over the years, and I'm not gonna name names. I'm not gonna do it right now. Maybe in the future I will, but I think this might illuminate what is actually going on in the media and why I believe that the media right now is one of the biggest obstacles to having an effective environmental movement. It was almost easier when most of the media didn't care about environmental issues, because once in a while, if something was newsworthy, they would run it without any ideology around it. But now, because the leftist concepts, which I think are good, progressive values of caring about the environment have now become part of how editors and publishers think, that's a positive thing. Well, we're gonna start covering these issues more and more, but they only do it from certain angles. And basically the angle is, let's just maintain the status quo. Anything that would actually move us forward, it appears wrong to us. We, we can't process it. It sounds like, oh, if you're critiquing the environmental movement, it sounds like you're anti-environmentalist. The reality is, no, we're trying to actually improve how things are. So let's go into some specific experiences. The funniest was this. So this was a publication and I, and I wrote a piece and uh, actually I had just written a query and I said, hey, I'd like to write a piece about this. And they got back to me and said, yeah, we'd be interested and gave me very vague point. And I was like, all right, I'll incorporate that into the piece. I wrote the piece, I sent it to them. It took a while to hear back from them um, about that. And so I kept following up and here it was, it was a week, it was two weeks. It was three weeks after submitting the piece that they told me that they wanted. And then finally the guy said, oh, I never said I wanted this piece. And I was like, excuse me, here's the email. I'm a bit confused. And saying, well, I was interested, but I didn't want it. It's like, you don't tell the journalist who <laughs> sends in a query that you're interested and then have them submit the piece and then you just go dark. Basically what happened was it was not the piece that he wanted, I guess. Um, it was based on what he, what I told him I would write and I incorporated the things he wanted. He ended up passing. You're allowed to do that as an editor. You are allowed to do that. It's, it's a crappy thing to do, but you're allowed to do that. And then you provide a kill fee, which is a percentage of what you were going to pay the journalist for taking the time. You know, you said, Hey, I want you to take the time to write the piece and you did it. All right. I don't want it. Obviously, we can't live in a world where you do that or, or no journalist can make a living. 
And so I was like, all right, well, that's too bad. I still don't know what you wanted, but okay, just if you could send me the kill fee. He's like, I'm not going to send you any kill fee. I didn't want this piece. And it was very, very confusing to me. And so what I ended up doing was I contacted the publisher and I let them know, uh, well, here are the emails. I'm not sure what's going on with your editor here, but they obviously do owe me the kill fee. And then not long thereafter, he sent me an email said, all right, we're going we're gonna to send out the kill fee. So that alone is just shows how difficult it is to make it as a freelancer and how unprofessional editors really are a lot of why it's hard to make a living in that realm. So even if this wasn't even necessarily about an ideology, he just didn't want the piece. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You guys are a dime a dozen freelancers. We don't, we don't need to treat you with any sort of uh, basic respect or make it so you could potentially make a living doing this. The funniest part was this. I ended up submitting to another publication. Um, they immediately picked it up. I won an award for that. <laughs> And I'm not even saying it was one of my better pieces. It, it was okay. I've written much better pieces. It, it, was, it was pretty good, but it, and it doesn't even matter what it was about. But here was, a, here was a piece I sent to an editor who, after writing it, didn't even want it, didn't want it anymore, even asking for it, didn't want it. So apparently he thought it was so terrible that he didn't want it. And then so terrible that he didn't even have to respond to me that he didn't want it and didn't have to pay me for changing his mind. And then it ends up going on to win an award, which was based on what other journalists thought about the quality of the piece. So to me, that has shown the subjectivity of editors. And every editor has a right to have their own views. They absolutely do. But they do also have to have a responsibility. So this might be getting into more specifics than you want <laughs> if you're not a journalist. But I'm just, I'm trying to do a bit of an expose on how the sausage is made. Like we all know that a lot of these media sources, pretty much all of them are biased and really not doing their job. Well, I, I want to let you know why that is. And a lot of times it's because journalists who are trying to get out real information, it's like there's a brick wall. So another instance was I had, uh, written for a publication. I'd been writing for them for a while. They had a complicated process of getting paid, whatever, you know, it, like they pay you every few months, which <laughs> they don't pay very much, most of these publications. And the idea of waiting that long, that's kind of silly. I submitted a piece and, you know, you give them the word count and then he got back to me and said, actually, that's, um, th there are less words than that. I was like, well, what do you mean? Like, yeah, there's about like 75 or 50 less words, which even if that was the case, like who cares? It wasn't very much money and you get paid per word, but not very much. So, you know, I'd written for a while. He's just like, well, I'm going to, going to focus on that. All right. And I did the word search again and I came up with the same number. He was using a different word search program, which basically somehow comes up with a lesser number, whatever. It was a matter of really like five or six dollars. But the idea that an editor would go to that extent to take six dollars away from somebody who'd been writing for them for a while, I'd written several articles for this person, shows how editors kind of view freelancers. And so I stopped writing for them after that. 
some other experiences. Um, yeah, a publication I'd written for for a while, and really the editor had done a lot for me. And he was talking about bringing me on more than just a freelancer. And he talked about that for a while. And clearly being a freelancer is really difficult. I, I had pointed that out in what I'm explaining to you. So I realized I need to be hired on by a publication so I don't have to pitch every time and go through that complicated process. And basically what happened was another editor stepped in to do a little bit more because he was dealing with some family issues. And um, I submitted a piece before they had officially brought me on, but this was about to be kind of my um, my last freelance piece for them before being brought on. And this new editor who had been a part of it before, but maybe not as in charge, um, I submitted the piece and um, my fee, which for this was actually a lesser fee because this was an easier article. And then I got word back, oh, we don't pay that amount for those kinds of pieces, which is basically, it's just like an environmental topic. They just slap that topic on it and they put it in one section. Um, the thing is they had paid me <laughs> more for writing in that section. And besides, I'd written dozens of articles for them, won several awards for them and all that. And here he was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to have you get paid less than you've gotten paid for any article you've written for us. And obviously I had to stop writing for them at that point. So that was, I chalked that up to the fact that the editor stepped down and this was a different editor, but this is the kind of stuff. And again, I, I hope this isn't boring. I hope this doesn't seem too self-centered. It's more about if anyone tries to do this, this is the experience they're going to have. This is really not about me. If this was just about me, I wouldn't be talking about this. This is about anyone who tries to take on this role. So that was really unfortunate. There was another publication I had written for, it was actually about this incinerator that was uh, planned to be built at the Denver Zoo here. And I wrote a piece for a, it was like a, neighborhood publication, but a pretty big one. And I talked to her on the phone, email. There was a lot of back and forth about what we want. I sent her the article finally. And then she's like, um, yeah, we're not going to run it. I was like, oh, wh why not? And she said something that we all knew was not true. It's poorly written. Um, I'm not the best journalist in the world, but I'm a pretty damn good writer. Uh, I have lots of pieces out there. I'm, I'm a published fiction author. Writing has been my thing. So I knew something was off right there. And basically what it was, was I had gotten too deep into this controversy of the Denver Zoo looking to build this basically poop and trash burning incinerator and the health impacts of it. And she realized she didn't want to wade into that. So she just said, dishonestly, it's poorly written. I was like, well, what's poorly written about it? I'm not saying everything I write the draft is perfect. I can make improvements upon that. Although very few editors from dozens of publications have really edited my stuff very much. She didn't have a single thing. She, it was just too hot to touch. I ended up submitting it to this other publication. They ran with it. I got more views than pretty much anything that they had put out. So they both do print media. So they were one of the biggest print media in the state and the city. And also uh, they got a ton of views online what ended up happening was the Denver Post, which is the big publication around here, had been sort of ignoring the issue. 
about a week after I put that out there, it caused enough stir that they ended up doing an article on it, basically just <laughs> rewriting my article. They didn't give me any credit for it, but that's okay. That's kind of the role of the freelancer. You get your stuff out there first, and then other media sources start glomming onto it. That's, that's fine. I'm not suggesting that there's anything wrong with that. That's kind of the point. And then it, there was enough heat on the zoo and they just actually stopped. They announced that later that week that they're not going to do the, the incinerator. So that's, it was not that my piece was not well-written. It was, it was too effective and they didn't want that out there. So that's part of it. And then just little things like there was a publication locally that kind of was an offshoot from one of the, from the Denver Post and it was some journalists who wanted to start their own thing. And I had been in communication with them about writing a freelance, right, freelancing for them right when they were starting up and went back and forth. And then they just went dark. They just stopped responding to my emails. And, you know, I, I, sometimes things fall through the cracks. I had all of the background. I've written for several other local and statewide and national publications um, enough to get an email. But they just stopped emailing. They just... And who knows what they found out, but it wasn't even a, hey, um, we're, we're seeing that some of your background doesn't really match up or we're just, we have, we're, you know, our plate is full, just drop off the face of the earth. And that is very common with a lot of these editors. And, and I think it's because they don't quite see the freelancer as a, as a full human being or something like that. I had another experience with a publication that I would really like to name them because I think a lot of what they do is great. It was, it was, it's finally a publication that I didn't think had an ideological basis. It was basically folks who are, were progressives, but also who could see the limitations of some progressive movements and ways to call attention to that by providing all sides of the critique. And so I, I knew somebody or no, I, I, I was in touch with somebody through that organization and they put me in touch with the editor and we had a little bit of back and forth about me writing a piece and then just dead silence. <laughs> just like, just, just out of the blue, just nothing. And then just, I followed up, Hey, just wondering, um, what you're thinking. And you know, I, I never follow up right away. I, I give breathing room. I'm extremely polite about all that. Very professional, nothing. And that's just the experience of the freelancer. I talked to these, uh, the Society of Professional Journalists and Society of Environmental Journalists about this issue because I talked to other freelancers and we're all going through the same stuff. Is there a way that there can be the organization that can actually um, start talking to these editors and, and publishers to put out a little bit more professionalism to freelancers? They weren't really interested. So that's why I stepped away from journalism. I've been on sabbatical from journalism for over a year. I hadn't written a piece. You know, it was at the height of my career. I was getting all these pieces out there, but then all of a sudden I started wanting to write about topics that didn't just fall into these publications wheelhouses, you know, publications that were basically telling me to write a certain way. And, and I didn't want to do that. It's, um, I couldn't find homes for, for the stuff. And that is why so much of the news is propaganda and getting to the root of this. So I wanted to get into history just to show my credibility, just to show my experience with this, how this is a real thing from the inside. And 
we can't move forward as a society if we're not getting legitimate information. And unfortunately, I would say 99% of publications are ideological. So your favorite publication is probably ideological. And of course, we can point the finger at Fox News, right? Oh, that's right wing. You know, a lot of it is, some of it is, frankly, some of their news coverage is as balanced as any other news coverage, which is not saying very much, but at least with Fox News, you know what you're getting, right? It's through that lens. It is through that conservative lens. And of course, with their punditry, but their, their straight news is colored in that way. Of course, here's the interesting thing. One times out of 10, when they critique the left, they are accurate. So if you want the best critique of how to improve the left, they're handing it to you. You have to sift through a lot of nonsense, but that's pretty easy. Basically, like you can know, okay, that they just don't share those values. But then when they point out a hypocrisy, it's worth paying attention to. So when they're saying, look at how, how all their climate leaders are these big name celebrities that need to fly in with their private jets and they have their cruises, you know, their, um, their yachts and their many mansions. That's a legitimate critique, and that is harmful to the climate movement to have those folks as the spokespeople, not the idea that, oh, they flew to a conference once or something like that. That's silly. You can dismiss that. But that's a legitimate critique that we don't hear as much from the left. Pay attention to them. And frankly, that's kind of the way you have to absorb news is you got to go from a lot of different sources. It's the only way that you can get the full picture. But here's the thing. You can't I take that back. You can't get the full picture. The There are almost no news sources that will put it all in one place. So you do have to piecemeal it. And there will be components missing because you might go to a source that does a good job of critiquing some aspect, like the left inside the left, but they have a particular ideology where you realize you can't listen to them on this other topic. So it's really difficult. And what can we do about it? Well, we can stop clicking and sharing the propaganda, first of all. And what does that mean? Well, if you are emotionally resonating with a story and you want to share it, it's probably because it 100% backs your views. And every time we do that, we're encouraging those sorts of pieces to be put out there. But of course, those are the pieces we like. We don't like the balanced piece that has the other side making a somewhat valid point, even if we don't agree with it. We like the one that's really one-sided. So then we keep putting that out there. And then we get outraged when that same publication puts out another biased piece about something we don't like. Well, we showed them that if they play to our ideologies, we're going to share. We're going to click and we're going to share. And that's what news is to today because uh, the online model and all that, it's not like you pay for a publication to come to your door and you take it as it comes. It's individual articles and that's how the clicks drives the advertising and that's how these publications can stay alive. So I don't blame them for doing it. They can't do it otherwise. And up until now, I've been blaming the media corporations, but the thing is we feed into them just like these other corporations, if we don't like a Walmart in our town, don't shop at the Walmart. If you're shopping at the Walmart and saying Walmart is bad, you're you're playing into Walmart. If you're saying I'm opposed to frack gas, yet you're you have a high 
heating bill every month because you like to keep your house at 76 degrees <laughs> and not put on a sweater and long underwear in the winter if you're in the northern climates. You're saying keep it in the ground, no fracking, but then you send the energy company a bill every month. You're feeding into it. We have to acknowledge it. We can both go take a look at these larger structures and at the same time realize that we are the reason why these structures keep existing. And not going to do much about Fox News. If you're on the left, you're not going to stop Fox News, right? Because it's not for you. They don't care what you say. You're not the person who is consuming that stuff. So that's most of what I see. Oh, I can't believe how much Fox News. It's like Fox News doesn't care. You're not their viewership. But yeah, what's funny is sometimes folks on the left are. They get the rage clicks. But anyway, so that's meaningless. Go after your own media sources and their limitations. So, you know, CNN and MSNBC are as biased on the left as Fox News is on the right for most of their straight media coverage. I'm not talking about the punditry, but the straight media coverage. It's through a particular lens. So in their mind, why, why hasn't CNN covered Planet of the Humans? Well, because they see, well, climate. Oh, cool. Oh, wait, it's saying that some of the things, the climate movement, and they just don't process it. And they're just like, we don't know what to do with it. We're just going to leave it aside. Or we're just going to have somebody on who talks about how how bad it is, because that at least is more of our audience is, is mainstream environmentalists. But we have to be willing to call that out. And frankly, we, we need to stop promoting the stuff that isn't so great. And Here's the thing that it comes down to is how much are you really being informed by these media sources, right? Like if you ignored the news for a week, would it really change anything you know about the world and in terms of your actions? So the latest stupid thing that Trump has done, like we already know he does stupid things. So what? Focus on creating a better candidate to get him out of office and stop giving him all that attention because that's why the media focuses on all the time because you keep clicking on it. So you're actually making it more likely for him to get reelected. So what if we did a, a week, do a week news fast and see the important stuff is still going to trickle to you. You know, it's going to come through some social media or, or things like that. You're not going to be left in the dark. And frankly, most of the information you get, you don't do anything about anyway. None of us do. So I, I've made this statement before that I'm more informed by paying attention to less media. And that sounds crazy, but I'm reading books. So I'm going in depth about a particular topic and that helps me understand aspects of the world rather than just some biased journalist. And the thing is most journalists are nowadays activists. It was funny because when I was an activist years ago, I tried to apply to Society of Environmental Journalists and they wouldn't let me in because they, they said I was too much of an activist. And then um, finally they let me in and then what ended up happening is I became too much of a journalist to be in journalism anymore because it had shifted over to activism. And a lot of that is because, I mean, it's not a very well-paying field. So a lot of the folks who are going to be journalists maybe come from a background in which they're already better off. And a lot of times those are progressive liberal folks. And so it's folks look at it as a form of activism. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that per se, as long as it's clear and obvious that that's what you're doing. But most media these days is activism. And that is that is a problem. Just like activist politicians 
I, I don't know if that's the role of a politician. An activist's role is extremely important. It's to push from a particular angle as hard as you possibly can, and you're not giving in any... Um, you're, you're not giving in. You're saying, no, this is right, this is how it needs to be, knowing it's not going to come out exactly that way in the wash. When a politician does that, it, it creates dysfunction. When a media source does that, it creates propaganda. So I think people misunderstand the roles. And I think, yeah, a lot of journalists are not even interested in putting all sides of the story out there. And frankly, it's not the journalist's fault because the editors don't want that. I have proven in my career that they don't want that and the publishers don't want that. And why don't they want that? Well, because the public doesn't want that. The public wants things to back up their own views and that's what they're going to share. They're not going to share anything that might also contribute in their mind to the other side. That's why they hate Planet of the Humans, a lot of folks in the mainstream and the mainstream media is because, well, look, the um, fossil fuels people are using talking points. It's like, no, they're not. <laughs> they're liking the fact that there is critique of an environmental movement from environmentalists. They just like the drama. That's nothing else in there is something they support. Maybe they support aspects of, they critique renewable energy. <clears throat> the critique of renewable energy is that it has an environmental footprint and that it alone is not enough. That is not a fossil fuels talking point. So what what would be the alternative? How can we do this differently? It's basically this concept of integral, and I'll probably get into this another time more in depth, but basically it is looking through all the different lenses. So right now, each of us tends to look through a particular lens, and that's how we view the world. But being able to try on the different lenses and then realize, okay, this lens works best here, this lens works best here. So a lot of folks who are anti-environmental, they'll just focus on, oh, everything that's uh, the environmental movement is garbage and there's no environmental crisis. Folks inside the mainstream environmental movement is anything that seems pro-environmental is the greatest thing. And even if we are losing the battle and we are not actually focusing on what matters, it doesn't matter. It feels good to talk about that we're doing this stuff and we can pat ourselves on the back. Then there's the lens, which is the integral lens is, well, let's do some critique of the environmental movement. We're coming from the values of caring about the environment, unlike the anti-environmental folks, but we're not allergic to a critique. And the reason we're not allergic to a critique is because it's not just about feeling good about ourselves. It's about making things happen. So it's making genuine progress. And that's where some integral news comes into play. And I'll mention one media site. I did write for them once. They don't do stuff much on environmental stuff, and I may end up submitting to them for this because uh, other publications are censoring me. But uh, they're called ARIO, A-R-E-O. And they do essays. And basically it is folks a lot around like social social justice issues. And so it's like social justice folks critiquing social justice movement stuff. So I find it really interesting. I don't agree with everything on the site, but they at least have that thing going. And it's not news though, it's, it's essays, so it's commentary. There are no news sites that I know of that are really doing that. But so in my mind, it's like, well, create that, right? I'm a journalist, I have this background, I can do it. I might do that at some point, but here's why I'm a bit wary of doing that. 
So this was several years ago, and uh, I believe it was right around when Trump had gotten in. And there were there were a couple big topics in the world. It was around you know the women's march. So women progressing in the world and, and being able to overcome a lot of the societal obstacles that are set up for them and, and other obstacles like that. And there was Trump's so-called uh, immigration ban, whatever that was, even though that was something that <laughs> it was based on policy that Obama had started, but people started having an issue with it because Trump was doing that. And that's another thing we see. Democrats do something wrong. We let it go. When the Republicans do the same thing, we have an issue with it. Well, it was a crappy thing. So I guess it was great that it called attention to it. So in my mind, I was like, okay, people right now are, you know, going crazy, clicking and reading about stuff with this immigration stuff. Uh, because, you know, at heart, they, they care about folks in these other countries who, who are immigrants and who are having a hard time. And and women stuff because you know finally that's front and center like women should have the same opportunities as men and there's been a lot of progress in the world but there's still more to be made so great two important topics but mostly just focusing on what's wrong like oh look at the immigration ban oh look at how you know we couldn't get a a, a woman president things like that Legitimate, you got to have the critique first. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I'm going to write an article that incorporates both of these aspects in a positive way. So I'm going to find a solution where it's actually moving forward. So I found it was a women in tech meetup thing where they got 100 women in tech because that's that's a field in which women have not been as populated and it's a high paying field. So that's why it's really desirable, you know, and it's not hard physical work. So it's, it's a job people want to have. And yeah, frankly, if women want to do that job, they should be uh, encouraged to do so. And more and more folks are doing that. So I found this thing where it was just all of these women, like a hundred women that met in this one place to, um, do a, a sort of, uh, I forget what the term is, but it's basically when you come up with a computer program you do some programming and the cause was this locally based, but um, it was like an immigration. So it was helping folks in other countries to come to this country or who were having trouble paying for their bills. I don't remember the specifics because it was a while ago, but I incorporated both of those aspects that were hot, hot in the news. And I, put a positive spin on, look, here is here are women in tech and they are working on this issue and they are making excellent progress. I was like, this is going to be my most popular article. It was the least popular article I have ever written. It got the least views, <laughs> the least clicks. I even tried sharing it myself through social media at different times. I waited you know, a couple weeks and I tried it again. Same flop. And that's when I realized, Oh my God, people don't want solutions. Now that might be unfair. People don't want to read about solutions. That's not what draws them into the media, right? That's not what draws them to read a story. They want to get angry. They want to get stimulated. They want to, oh, I can't believe this is happening. And then they share it because I'm so angry about this. Look at this. Can you believe this? Sharing it to other people who already know. 
And then when you provide a thing, well, look at how this is moving forward and look at how we can actually help folks because that was the other component. It was advocating for this charity or it was pointing out this charity. So if by sharing this, they could have been helping get more money to the folks that they, they claimed that they, they hated this immigration ban, they hated how harmful this was to, to people of color in the other countries. Yet when the time came to share an article that could have raised more money, even if they weren't gonna give money themselves, they could have shared that and more money could have been sent. They didn't do it. They didn't do it. And that's when I realized well, this is why the media plays on controversy. This is why it plays on us versus them. You know, this is why Planet of the Humans did need to have that sort of narrative, that conflict, because y'all don't want anything else. <laughs> and when I say y'all, I'm included in that as well. I end up getting taken in by the controversies as well, because that's most engaging. And ultimately, if we're going to get to the root of why media is garbage, we have to confront the fact that we like garbage media. They are just giving us what we want. So if we go out there and we're like, oh, I hate your publication and it's so bad when it doesn't write the thing I like about the thing I like, and then you go sharing all their other articles when they do the same thing, but just in your favor, we're promoting it, we're propping it up. So it's this whole thing. We got to look at these outward structures, absolutely, and confront those and deal with those. And then we've got to acknowledge how we're feeding into that. So here at Green Root Podcast, we're not a news service. So this is going to be a lot of opinion. So you're not really going to get your hard news here. It doesn't really exist right now. We're living in a world of, you know, the concept of alternative facts. And a lot of the folks who make fun of that are doing the same thing from their own lens. Almost all of us are doing that. The only people who aren't doing that are the ones who admit that they do it. That sounds crazy, right? Like, what do you mean? Well, if you acknowledge your shadow, you acknowledge, you know what, I end up putting out stuff that is just from this one lens, that is when you start having the awareness. You start stripping away that delusion, and then over time, you can, you can sort of catch yourself. And so I'm not saying I did that perfectly in my pieces at all, but if you want to take a look at some of my stuff, it's just joshschlossberg.net. You can see a lot of the articles I wrote where I really did try to get a balanced perspective. And the way I would do it is I would notice that when I would, when I would um, be interviewing somebody who was saying something that I thought was silly and I would feel like an emotional thing, I'm like, that's dumb. A lot of journalists and me in the past, I would have probably just, I'm going to leave this out because I think it's dumb. And instead, I realized, no, this is, I have to pay attention to that emotional feeling inside of me and be like, I have to do my best to make sure that this point gets out there because I disagree with it because I think this is incorrect. I have to make sure that that perspective is represented. It, it's a fair, if one person has it, has it other people's have and I'm not talking about, oh, their perspectives is that they're going to kill Jews such as myself and I better uh, explain why it's good to cheat. Like, obviously, that's not what I'm talking about. But when it's something to do with a, a rally and there are different points about it, put it all in one place. Let people decide. The question is, are we at a society at the point where we can look at all that information and 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 piece it all together in our minds and not get upset when there's an opposing view. And I think 
the way the mainstream environmental movement has reacted to the planet of the humans, where ultimately <laughs> most environmentalists do agree with pretty much all the deep messages in there. They just don't like some aspects of it. So then they throw out the whole thing. We, we got to not do that anymore. So I would just ask you, if you are listening to this, to consider what pieces you click on. Just be mindful of it. I'm not saying to even not do it. I did say that before, but right now I'm just saying, just be mindful. Why did you click on that? Why did you not click on that? Why did you share this one? Why did you not share that one? Once we start getting to that point, we might be able to be more mindful about it and that might result in more legitimate, balanced journalism getting out there instead of just propaganda. <clears throat> and that will make it so a media outlet can start putting out more legitimate information and that will make it so journalists including freelancers can really keep you know make a living doing this and maybe even get better pay so it's not just folks from a particular walk of life you know people who are if you're a person of color in a struggling impoverished community you're not going to go into journalism because that's not necessarily going to help you very much financially so it leaves those voices out and those might be more voices that we need to hear. They definitely are. So that's what it comes down to in, in the journalism world. This was my roundabout way of critiquing journalism, saying I think there's a better way, knowing that right now I don't know if that's viable, but we can now hopefully start having that conversation about what a different kind of media would look like and how it could even be propagated. I don't have the answers for this. This is basically me just querying the world as a journalist. I'm just reporting on what I'm seeing and also interjecting my own opinion into it. And that's ironically what I think I need to start doing more of is people just want those opinions. And of course, my opinion, <laughs> critiquing the left from inside the left, it's hard to find a home for that sort of stuff. But because balanced full spectrum journalism is not wanted, I think it's all going to turn into just opinion and I don't really know what to do about it. So if you have any perspective on that or you have interest in being a part of a, frankly, a legitimate journalistic endeavor, contact me. Contact me at greenrootpodcast at protonmail. Dot com and maybe we can make something happen. Until then, everything is fake news.